Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Tamika Perry and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Tamika Perry. Thank you so much for joining us today on Docs in a Pod. We every week discuss issues involving patient health from medications to physical challenges to diabetes and other issues, and we're delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host is Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're delighted, as always, to have Dr. Perry with us. She is an associate medical director at WellMed. She earned her undergraduate degree from Prairie View A&M University, went on to graduate from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. She was a National Health Service Corps scholar there. She completed her family medicine residency at Methodist Charlton Medical Center, where she served as chief resident. Dr. Perry's board certified by the American Osteopathic Board of Family Physicians, and she subsequently earned a master's in public health with an emphasis in health management and policy at the University of North Texas Health Science Center. In addition, Dr. Perry is a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine, and you find her at the Redbird Clinic in Dallas, Texas. And we're delighted, Dr. Perry, to have you with us again. Thank you. I think, you know, I just have to let everybody know that I, I pay Ron in apples to make up my introduction. It is not, <laughs> it sounds so robust and I, and I always appreciate the way he introduces me, but I'm more excited about our guest today and what he has to talk about because this, this topic has come to the limelight. In fact, when our beloved actress Chadwick Boseman died of colon cancer, so we're going to talk about prevention and screening. Well, Dr. Jason Varghese joins us. He's with Healthcare Associates of Texas in Mansfield, Texas. Dr. Varghese is a physician there, and he earned his medical degree from the International American University of College of Medicine. He completed his family medicine residency at the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta at the University of Georgia. Uh, He served as chief resident during his final year. Dr. Varghese is board certified in family medicine. He taught at the Medical College of Georgia as an assistant professor, core faculty attending physician before moving back to Texas. His passions include patient education and preventative medicine. And we're talking today about educating patients about their medical conditions, preventative medicine, colon cancer screening, and a whole lot more. And Dr. Varghese, we're really happy to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Now, when it comes to uh, colon cancer, a cancer nobody wants, but a cancer that mm-hmm. is fairly preventable, is it not? Absolutely. Uh, the um, statistics that we need to know is uh, colon cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Um, and if it's found early enough, it's completely treatable um, and you can have a long, healthy life, uh, even though you have that diagnosis. And uh, one way to uh, avoid developing that killer disease, colon cancer, is to get a, a colonoscopy. Absolutely. So um, colon cancer screening or colorectal screening uh, can be done by a whole host of uh, ways. But one of the most effective ways is uh, having a colonoscopy where you're having a visual uh, examination of your colon um, and it it's able to find these polyps, which polyps can develop into cancer. Uh, and so if they find a polyp, they're able to biopsy it right away 
and they're able to know if it's benign, which is completely normal, versus it's uh, malignant or has a uh, uh, cancer uh, potential. And I know that uh, speaking of someone who has had several colonoscopies over the years, uh, the actual procedure is a piece of cake because you're asleep. It's the preparation that people <laughs> object to, right? It's uh, spending a, a day trying to clean out that colon. Isn't there a way just to get a suck out the colon medicine that does it all at one shot? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that, that would be a great invention. Uh, but they are they're trying to make uh, the preps even better uh, from even 10 years ago till uh, most recently. So they're trying to make the prep a little bit better and easier for our patients. You know, and the and idea is to clean out the colon so when you go in there with a scope, you can see things. Correct. And, and Dr. Varghese, like we alluded to in the beginning, you know, the, the actor who played Black Panther in the first movie, Chadwick Boseman, died at 43 of colon cancer. And I think he was diagnosed with stage three at like 40. And so can you tell us what are risk factors and when, is, when are the screenings recommended? So. Um, According to the United uh, or the USPSTF, which is the United States uh, Preventative uh, Services Task Force, uh, or the American uh, Cancer Society, uh, they all kind of agree on uh, age 45 to age 75 is the normal screening for colorectal cancer. That would not uh, have caught his colorectal cancer, though. Absolutely. So he would have still been in the uh, younger than that population. So the other things that we look for outside of just normal screening at age starting at age 45 is one. Uh, symptoms or uh, family history. So if you have a primary degree relative uh, with colon cancer or any type of uh, colorectal issues, uh, those are some things that we kind of keep an eye out for. Uh, the other thing is anemia. Uh, so uh, when, you, when I talked to earlier about those polyps, when you have polyps that turn into cancer, they start to bleed. Uh, and one of the typical signs that we see is anemia. Uh, and it can be just a subtle anemia that we see um, as and one you of the earliest necessarily, signs. You wouldn't necessarily see blood in your stool. Uh, not necessarily. If it's it's very small, you may not even notice it. But uh, when you when you get your regular checkups, which we really uh, push all our patients, even young people, to do uh, your regular checkups with a, a normal CBC, which checks for uh, blood and looks uh, evaluates for anemia. That's one of the things that you can find very early on. All right, stay with us just a minute. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. If you're listening to Docs in a Pod, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're talking with Dr. Jason Varghese. Uh, he's at Healthcare Associates of Texas in Mansfield, Texas, and we are talking about preventive screenings, starting with the issue of colorectal cancer. And I mentioned off the air to you, uh, Dr. Varghese, that I've got, I had a very good friend who was a, a police chief here in Texas who died of colon cancer, who never wanted to get a colonoscopy. And of course, after he was diagnosed, he was told it's uh, not curable. You're at the end of life. He began to speak out and encourage folks to get a colonoscopy. Once you are, uh, as you were saying, 45 or so, uh, the best time to get a screening so you know what a baseline looks like. Absolutely. So we start at age 45. So regardless of having symptoms, regardless of family history, everyone um, 45 and above, we recommend a colonoscopy or another form of colorectal cancer screening. Um, just to kind of tell you about what uh, happened with your police chief, um, another form of colorectal cancer screening that's not as invasive 
is what we call stool stool tests. So um, there's a, a just a plain old uh, occult blood where we check your stool for blood, and there's one that we check for DNA alteration, like colo colo guards or um, you know fit uh, DNA stool test. And that one you don't have to do. No one's coming near your near your body. Uh, you just go to the restroom, and you have a stool, and you put that in a, a little cup that we provide you. You send it off. We look at it in the lab. And if it's normal, you only have to repeat it in three years. Uh, if it's abnormal, then we take the next step of getting a colonoscopy. Uh, and so uh, that's a uh, safe alternative for people that are really resistant to the invasive colonoscopy. I've got a very good friend who uh, is a PhD uh, in a very esoteric field. He's a brilliant guy, will not get a colonoscopy. And I've talked to him about it. Uh, and I've told him the story about my friend, Jerry Smith, and he is so resistant. Uh, I, I just feel sad uh, that, that he is eliminating a chance to screen for something that could kill him. So I think um, this happens very often when we talk to our patients. And Tamika, you can probably uh, attest to the same thing. You know, they're real, real resistant. But you had to ask. I always ask the question, why? You know, it, what in particular about the colonoscopy or about colon cancer screening? are you concerned about? And then by having that question, you're able to kind of get to the root of the problem. Most of the time they'll say, hey, I don't want anyone coming near my body. And the invasiveness is the, is the whole issue. And then we can give them alternatives that can help evaluate for uh, colon cancer. So um, I think getting to the root of what is the issue. And uh, are, are they persuaded by that? Absolutely. So the ones that are just because of uh, invasiveness. We're able to do another alternative. Uh, some people, it's about cost. And then there's a lot of facilities that we can get discounted colonoscopies or, you know, discounted rates for certain things uh, for colon uh, colorectal cancer screening. Um, others are just kind of unaware because they've been told by someone else, this is what it is, or it's going to be painful. Uh, all those kind of, you know, things uh, that they may think about by t having a conversation with them, we're able to Kind of get to the root of the problem and then kind of either uh, give them the you know the, the facts and then also i have a wonderful illustration in my office that i use and it's a picture of a colon and it has the different stages of colon cancer from stage zero all the way up to stage four and from stage zero to stage three they're so small you have no symptoms because most of the time my patients that are also resistant saying hey doc i'm fine i have no symptoms i i'm feeling great i'm healthy i'm healthy as an ox uh, and I'll show them that, hey, from stage zero all the way up to stage three, you will have zero symptoms. Only when you're getting up to stage four, where it's pretty large that it, you're starting to have some obstructions, that you may even have some kind of symptoms. And so uh, by sh showing our patients visually, it really kind of brings it home. And then they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. And then they're a little bit open to the, open to the subject. And I, one other thing I do, Ron, is if they say no, I, I tell them point blank. I go, I'm going to keep asking you, and you can keep saying no. Me too. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to keep asking you. So just so that they're aware of it, they hear it more multiple times, and then eventually they'll understand. Just like what happened to uh, our our uh, Chadwick Boseman, that you know you know you can get this cured and you can get treated and not die unnecessarily. Or you could also say to them, "We'll make sure you get your end of life papers filled out." <laughs> 
you know, usually what works is if, if it's a husband and wife team, I'll usually look over at the wife and say, have you got your insurance policy in order? And then, what are you talking about, Dr. Perry? I'm just saying. Your life you insurance. Know, yeah, yeah, your life insurance. Yeah. Have you got it in order for him? You know? Yeah. And usually that makes him, makes him get, in, get in right. Now, you yeah. just brought up a very important point. Uh, we're talking men in the examples that we're uh, talking about. But colon cancer is an equal opportunity cancer, male or female. Absolutely. It's it's more predominant in, in males, but men and female can both have it. Uh, it's more predominant in um, uh, people of color like African-Americans versus uh, Caucasians, but it can be seen in every race, every age, every gender. And as you think about this, Dr. Perry, uh, are, are your patients receptive to at least the discussion? And we'll pick up on that in just a moment. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and our guest today. Delighted to have him on, Dr. Jason Varghese, talking about preventive screenings on Docs in a Pod. If you're interested in learning more about colorectal cancer, we encourage you to read our latest white paper. Learn more about the warning signs of colon cancer and about WellMed's efforts in battling the number two cause of cancer deaths. Visit wellmedhealthcare.com news and read it today. We're so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Docs in a Pod. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry, and we're talking uh, with Dr. Jason Varghese. He's with Healthcare Associates of Texas. You find him in Mansfield, Texas, and we're talking about preventive screenings. And we've been talking about colorectal cancer, colonoscopies, and uh, other ways in which to detect uh, colon cancer. What would be some other screenings people should think about, Dr. Varghese? So another one uh, for our male patients, uh, prostate cancer screening. Uh, we typically start that at age 50. However, if you have a family history of prostate cancer, we do start screening earlier than that. Um, and the other thing that we always tell our male patients is symptoms of prostate issues where you're having a difficulty with urine stream and flow, a difficulty stopping or starting urine, or the other big thing is you're going to the restroom quite often. Uh, so those kind of things that kind of trigger us to kind of evaluate and screen for prostate cancer. Of late, there's been an advertisement that is just flooding the airwaves for something called Eurolift. It looks like a giant fire hose blows out any blockage you may have in your urinary tract for males, uh, and boom, the problem solved. Well, that's more for what we call BPH or benign prosthetic hypertrophy. Fancy words of basically your prostate's big, but it's not cancer. So that will help with urinary flow, but that's not necessarily a treatment per se for cancer. And for the screening, uh, I, I know for a long period of time, digital screenings were recommended uh, uh, up to a certain age. What, what are the prescriptions now for digital screening for prostate cancer for males? So really it's changed in the fact that um, checking the blood for a PSA is almost as effective depending on how, you know, how aggressive your doctor is with doing the, the prostate exam. Uh, because what we've seen is sometimes, uh, you know, if you have an aggressive uh, prostate exam, it can kind of slightly elevate that PSA number. Uh, okay. So what I usually tell my patients is let's get just the PSA. Let's just get the blood. Let's see how you do unless you're having symptoms. If you're having symptoms, then definitely you need the prostate digital exam where we can evaluate how big your prostate is. Now, we know with PSAs, sometimes you get false positives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
Um, depending on that, uh, you may have what we call monitoring, where we kind of recheck it in a, in, a, in a month or two just to kind of see, hey, is it the same, better, or worse? Now, the other thing I've heard, and you know, I'm at risk of practicing medicine with no knowledge, no degree, no experience, is that prostate cancer is generally very slow growing. So if you are 80, 85, 90, hey, don't worry about it. So yes and no. So yes, uh, it is slow, um, but that's why we try to screen for it earlier. Now, if you are older um, and we find the cancer, now we always ri- we always weigh the risk and benefit uh, right. for treatment. So it does not mean that, hey, if you have prostate cancer, you're going to have to have surgery, you're going to have to chemo, you have to have radiation. We always look at the risk and benefits according to your age. So yes, you could have prostate cancer older on in age, and we may just monitor it. We may not have to do extensive surgeries because we had to also look at the potential side effects and potential issues with quality of life with the procedures. Correct. And what do you recommend, Dr. Perry? Um, I, I recommend what Jason recommends. What he said was been exactly spot on. You know, you also have to be aware of what population sees effect and, and the, the clinician will look at his patient and it may be an African-American patient who has a right under normal PSA and he might want to check it again more frequently because we know the incident and that, that population is higher. I also don't want to leave our ladies out. We have to remember breast cancer and breast cancer screening. You know, a lot of my ladies have aversions to it because the test is uncomfortable. And I'm a girl who's had several of them. It is uncomfortable. Does it hurt? No, it's uncomfortable. Yes, for about 30 seconds. But breast cancer can hurt for a lifetime. So just, you know, with the way our risk benefit ratio here. Now for that mammogram, they have to squeeze the breast to get a better Mm -hmm. picture. Is that it? That is, that is exactly why. And it's, it does not last long at all. And it gives us a plethora of information. And when breast cancer is found early, the treatment um, has a high cure rate and a very, very low recurrence rate of the cancer that's found in this country. And if you think about the various preventive screenings that uh, folks undergo, that blood test that you mentioned early on, uh, a general screening blood test for all kinds of stuff, Jason, what are you looking for once a year when you do that? So, you know, when you come in to see your regular doc, they're going to be checking some blood work. But a CBC, which is a complete blood count, talks about, um, helps us evaluate for anemia and uh, different things dealing with your blood. Uh, typically, you'll get a CMP, which is a complete metabolic panel, which looks at electrolytes, your kidney function, your liver function. Um, and that's, that alone gives us a lot of information. Uh, typically, I like to uh, check a, a TSH, which is checks for your thyroid to help evaluate for that as well, as well as a lipid panel, which evaluates for cholesterol. So cholesterol screenings is also very important, important when we're talking about your heart health. Uh, and, and is that why you have to fast before these blood tests? Absolutely. So when we're talking about cholesterol and you're fasting sugar and all that, uh, if you're fasting, we're, we'll get a more accurate picture of what your cholesterol is. Uh, and I, I know there's a screening uh, for diabetes, the A1C. What is that, and what does it show you? Yeah, absolutely. So hemoglobin A1C is also one that I typically screen for. Uh, it's a three-month average of your blood sugars. So if you essentially like if you stuck yourself every single day and you got a, a an average over three months, this is what that number is. And what that helps us is if that number is 6.5 or greater, it's a diagnosis of diabetes. But if it's 5.7 to 6.4, it's in the pre-diabetes category. And why that's important to also emphasize about the pre-diabetes is because I, I tell my patients, if you're in that pre-category, 
let's get you better so we can get out of that, that no man's zone of diabetes. Um, so that, and also gets our patient more aware of their health. Now, is sugar the evil medicine here when it comes to diabetes? Right. Sugar right. well, is the yeah. devil. So, yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. The short well, answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, but um, also it, it comes in different forms. So it's not just candy because a lot of my patients say, hey, I don't eat any candy or any sweets and I'm diabetic. You had to look for those other tricky uh, yes. evils, like you said, uh, you know, those simple sugars and those things that are can get converted into sugar, uh, like breads, your, you know, pastas and all those other things that get converted very easily into sugar uh, that people may be eating in, in high quantities. So that's uh, all those carbohydrates. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So eating a loaf of white bread a day is not a good idea. Generally, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, that would not be advised by me or Jason. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Uh, the other thing that uh, often done on a screening uh, is a x-ray of your heart and lungs. And what would you be looking for? So when we do those screenings, like if we're, if we're doing just a chest x-ray as a screening exam, we're really that really depends on the history of the patient. So we're more prone to do that in a patient who has a history of smoking or being around anything they inhale that was toxic to their lungs. So we're looking for masses. We're looking at the lung volume. We're looking at the shape of the lung, if the chest is barreled, because this is going to give us a clue along with patient symptomatology and history. Are we concerned about lung cancer? Are we concerned about COPD, chronic obstructive asthma? And as far as the heart heart is concerned, sometimes on fancy screens of the heart, we can see calcium in the coronary arteries. That is a sign of that you could have some blockages there, that there's a heart attack in our future. And what do we need to do about it now to get it out of our future? When you think about the heart and screening for the heart, uh, you, uh, you don't ordinarily just do a, a chest x-ray every year on a patient? No, not for just, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. No, I was going to say, well, typically it's going to be from your regular exams where your doctor is going to be listening to your heart. They're going to be checking your vitals, which checking your heart rate and your, uh, your blood pressure. Uh, and then depending on your symptoms, if you've ever had any kind of uh, discomfort in your chest, they'll typically do an EKG. And that EKG helps us evaluate how your heart functions overall. And then depending on your symptoms, we can kind of do more uh, specific tests like a, an echo or anything like that to kind of get a better evaluation of your heart. And then another one that's of uh, concern and very much in the news of the Pennsylvania Senator, John Fetterman, who had a stroke uh, uh, during the campaign, has come back and recently was hospitalized again just to make sure he hadn't had another stroke. Are there ways to screen for stroke before you get one? So, you know, I think that a lot of times we lump screening and prevention together, which they do go together. But this day and age in medicine, we can't screen for everything. I wish we had that little device they had on Star Trash where you strike her. You could scan your whole body. <laughs> yeah, and bones would every, do that. Right. And then everything, <laughs> you would know everything that was wrong with you. But we just don't have that yet in medicine. And we put a lot of emphasis, especially as PCPs on prevention of a lot of disease states because exercise, good diet, not smoking, not doing drugs, having protected sex, you know, this prevents a lot of stuff. So we put a lot of emphasis on prevention because some things we just can't screen for. Absolutely. Now, I, I agree. Now, go ahead, Jason. No, I agree completely. I think, you know, exactly what Tamika was saying about uh, by being preventative of, of just normal health, you know, you know, watching your, watching your diet and exercising regularly, going to checkups. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of prevention and kind of having your regular uh, annual physicals 
by doing that, you're going to be able to prevent things, you know, because typically stroke is associated with elevated blood pressure that's been uncontrolled. Um, so, you know, that's something that we could catch even earlier. I see some clinics advertise, pay us a thousand bucks and we will screen you for everything and anything. I'm not sure that's um, cost effective or some of those screenings don't necessarily have a lot of validity that we have to, Jason and I are governed by. And I would add on to, you know, we practice medicine or my, my biggest approach to medicine is evidence-based. So we, right. go by the, we go by the evidence of what is valuable for screening purposes versus just, you know, just, you know, shooting in the air and hoping you're going to hit something. That's right. You know, we, we're, we're very evidence-based and we screen each concern specifically for what we're looking for. So talk to your PCP before you shell out a thousand bucks for one of those yes. bones, I, Star Trek I, I body would, scans. I have a lot of patients that come and talk to me about that because, um, you know, I'm not going to talk bad about any organization or, you know, facility that's doing this, but a lot of times it's more of a moneymaker versus a actual, you know, benefit because there's no doctor or physician that reviews it and they tell them that, hey, we're just doing the test. You need to go and see the doctor. Thank you. Got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. Great discussion. Thank you, Dr. Jason Verghese. And thank you to our co-host, Dr. Tamika Perry. You're listening to Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Tamika Perry and Ron Aaron.